Hey everyone, today we talk a lot of college football. We go through some quick takes that we've read on the internet over the past week. And we have another classic sports video game to talk about. This is Let the Meat Take. Bonjour, everyone. Welcome to Let Them Eat Takes, a sports podcast for the outrage era. I'm here with my buddies, Scott, coming to us from California, and my buddy, Justin, coming to us from Athens, Georgia. How y'all doing? I'm so angry. Are you outraged? Yes. I just I just need to give takes. <laughs> you want them to eat the takes. You I want them to eat them. those takes. Yes. There's no sports. There's only takes. The body lives on takes alone. So say we all. So say we all. So we have a lot to get to today. So we're going to start off with what I like to call some hasty takes, meaning we're just going to rapid fire you some great takes from a lot of our perusing of the Twitterverse over the past week or so. Some really great stuff out there. All right, Scotty, why don't you get us started? All right, so Twitter's been popping off pretty heavy lately. A lot of real dumb stuff. Uh, Clay Travis, uh, yeah, his latest thing. Athletes are not risking their lives to play sports in the middle of this pandemic. That is a classic fruit take. No one wants it. I don't know why it exists, but there (laughs) it is, right? I can say this. We're from Georgia. Fruitcake is trash. Fruitcake is trash. I have in-laws. They're like run the largest fruit take company in the world or whatever is trash. I don't need it. Um, FC Seoul, a Korean soccer team, right? They quote unquote accidentally used sex dolls in place of fans. Uh, that's what it we call a fake take. That's that what is a, accidental about that. Yes. That is a <laughs> fake take because that is not an accident. You did not accidentally order a bunch of sex dolls. I mean, crazy. is it something worth getting like super outraged about? I mean, no, whatever. Like, I don't care. It's kind of funny. I got some laughs, but yeah, that's seems fake. on purpose to me. <laughs> oh yeah, seems like seems you. Get a, it seems like you know what? This is not a cardboard cutout. It's like it's very anatomically correct. Hold on, did they did they show up in the broadcast of the game? Yes. <laughs> oh, even better. I didn't know yes, that. they did. <laughs> 100 <laughs> percent you know you know what it sounds like to me it sounds like fc soul got a lot of good free advertising for the low low price sure. of a dozen sex dolls they had sure. to they had to 100 fire somebody afterwards so they did lay a low-level employer intern on the altar and sacrifice them for the publicity I'm, I'm sure that intern was like on their way out next week anyway and they're just like yeah go for it do you think that they gave him a severance package or do they just give him all the sex dolls I think that was the severance package, yeah. (laughs) What's funny about the picture that ESPN posted is the sex dolls have like the primo seating and then the cardboard cutouts get the like cheap seats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems pretty intentional to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh Lord. So yeah, so someone the trouble to blow up all those sex dolls put them in seats and then they're like oh yeah we didn't know we did that yeah oops. Our bad. Yep. <laughs> big oops <laughs> fake fake take so but <sighs> the, you know the twitter can't stop won't stop uh, 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 uh. so you know dan Wilkin is back he got things to say um is, the other for those day who may not know who is dan Wilkin. that is a very good question i best i can tell is, he's just should a i say on twitter. what is dan Wilkin? He is a Twitter entity, I think, that he's a, may he's a or may not. Twitterer? Yeah, may or may not cover sports or something for USA Today. Ah, uh, okay. He works for USA Today. Yeah. But anyway, you know, earlier this week, you had a lot of universities announce their different plans for fall classes, right? A lot of mixture of in person or online or adjusted schedules. Uh, South Carolina was the first one that I saw. And they were coming back a couple weeks early and they're going to go right through 
not have a fall Thanksgiving break or something and wrap up at the end of November, right? Yeah, so, I, I saw something about that. Yeah, so that comes out and he says, well, this may turn out to be a correct and necessary move, but why decide that now? Uh, and yeah, this is just does he know that classic like, Twitter, right? Does just he know like, that like first thing that pops into my head, boom, here we go. <laughs> Why in the world would somebody put planning and resources into a large decision that yeah. takes a ton of planning and resources? He does know that absurd. like eventually fall will come. It's not like we can like push pause and think in perpetuity about what is the best course. I'm like, this is not like a video game, dude. <laughs> yeah. I would like to know how he goes on vacation and what sort of planning goes into that. Does he just like wake up on a Tuesday and be like, tomorrow's vacation? People plan this far ahead of time for like a week long trip. His, his wife, his wife asked him, where are we going? Don't ask silly questions. <laughs> Not important right now. We'll make that decision when it, when it matters. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of made a reputation for dunking on college, collegiate athletics, especially he loves dunking on the SEC. He's made a name for himself doing that. And I think it's reached the point where he kind of sees himself as a hammer. And it's as the old saying goes, if you see yourself as a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And this looks like a hammer meets nail moment. Yep, that sounds about right. So, and then let's see, I got one more good one for us. We got our weekly Skip Bayless special, right? We want to loan ourselves to oh, one item related to Skip Bayless. It's oh, like a and, donut. And no you know? more. It's just like a donut. You just got to take one. Oh you yeah, first donut. It's hot. It's fresh. It's so good. And then after that, you just kind of feel they sick. all start to taste the same, and you're like, okay. So anyway, after the wrap up of the Jordan quote documentary, you know, Skip Bayless Monday morning, he gets ready to go in and tell everybody the real villain of the Last Dance, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson is now oh. the villain of the Chicago Bulls six championship what? story. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> is it? Wow, it's it's Skip Bayless. That's all there is to get. I'm only would, seven episodes in, but I I don't know. That's just that's just. I mean, it's obviously trying to get people to tune in for the show, but it's also like, if you read that and said, "Oh, I got to tune in," uh, come on now, don't tune into that. What's he gonna say? Phil Jackson's playing the long con, longest con ever. Yeah, I mean, I most certainly didn't tune in to actually listen. And sure, there's like an outside chance he actually had good reasoning behind it, but we all know that's not the case. Uh, I get it. He uh, here's here's the thing. He d- Phil Jackson deliberately delivered a three game winning streak to Chicago, so Michael Jordan would get burnt out on basketball early and want to do baseball. And what could have been a three, what could have been a six, five or six championship winning streak was only three. And that's Phil Jackson's mastermind. Mm -hmm. Phil Jackson made Horace Grant leave to go to Orlando to take more money. Phil Jackson actually before being with the bulls made the Pistons beat the bulls. That's his fault too. (laughs) Right. Um, Phil Jackson actually murdered MJ's father. (laughs) Uh, Phil Jackson also (laughs) secretly the NBA commissioner and he secret suspended Michael Jordan, made him play baseball for a year and a half. And, um, what else did Phil do? Sneaking suspicion that David Stern was just a sock puppet being controlled by Phil Jackson. Yeah. Hey, tune in. Skip Bales will tell you all about it. While we're Uh, talking about that finale real quick, I haven't watched it yet because my wife Ashley just told me she wants to watch together now because she's been reading about it or hearing about it. Um, apparently in the last episode, they MJ gave a different account of the flu game, which involved uh, pizza being delivered to him the night before the game and maybe getting food poisoning. But I was under the impression that uh, honestly, I didn't even realize there were other stories out there other than he had the flu. And then apparently it's somewhat common knowledge that he was just hung over. What do y'all think? Was it a hangover? Was it the flu? Was it the pizza? God, who knows? Well, Michael Jordan already told us it wasn't the flu. So if if he's telling the truth at all there, which can probably be backed up by some scientific trail because they probably tested him for the flu, right? Mm, to make yeah. sure the whole team didn't get the flu. Um, so he didn't have the flu. And uh, best I can tell... You know, food poisoning doesn't strike in three hours. <laughs> That's not how it works. You have some experience with that? 
I actually have not had a lot of food poisoning, but you know, a lot of people in the world in the history of uh, humanity have had food poisoning. And when it happens, it happens quickly. It's just usually not the last thing you ate. It's usually the second or third or fourth most recent thing you ate from, you know, 12 or 24 hours ago and whatever like bacteria causes this issue, like, you know, kind of grows in your stomach. Well, and 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 then if it were food poisoning, that's what I don't get. Like the handful of times I have had food poisoning and I guess it could manifest differently people. There's this one thing to like have a headache and feel really, really warm because you have a fever and body achy and go push through it to do a thing. When I had food poisoning, I couldn't keep water down. It mm-hmm. wasn't like I was going to push through and go to work. Like there was something leaving my body at all times. <laughs> yes. Exactly. If it was really food poisoning, like they were saying, uh, yeah, you would think that we would have lots of footage of him soiling his underwear or puking <laughs> on the court or all of the things that you normally do. With what color poisoning. uniforms were they wearing during that game? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> if they were wearing their road blacks or reds, I could see how it could be easily, you know, easily. disguised. But if they're wearing their home whites, like it's game over, if, you know. There's no hiding that. Well, didn't he wear his North Carolina shorts under every uniform? I learned this from Space Jam. Is that real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. His spa- that's, I mean, that's his Space Jam is real. <laughs> Space Jam is as much of a real documentary as this was. Michael Jordan. And that is, that's actually a take right there. You want to take? You want to sound <laughs> smart on Twitter later? Tweet that. That take will hunt. I mean, it's true. It is true. <laughs> Oh man, that uh, tickle hunt. Weren't they right. supposed to make a, a another Space Jam with LeBron? It's been rumored or confirmed. Is it confirmed now or still rumored? I don't know. I think I think it was rumored and then confirmed and then back to the rumor stage. I don't even know. Oh. I got a good one from uh, the National Review. This is from Andrew McCarthy, which is kind of a funny last name for a writer of a conservative website. But that's another discussion <laughs> for another day. He's talking about uh, the take is instant replay interview is ruining baseball. I feel like we have a recurring series on old people complaining about the ways baseball is changing and why it makes them mad. So he's talking about, (laughs) (laughs) right. So he's talking about this uh, this 1986 playoff game between the Mets and the Astros. Oh my gosh. Uh, The Mets have one out and they've got a guy on first and they're trying to get the double play. Uh, they get the, the guy to ground out left, so they make the, the play to second base, get the first guy out, and the second baseman kind of hesitates to, uh, to make the throw, but he gets it over there. They, uh, they call him safe, even though he should have been ruled out, but he's saying that because the second baseman hesitated to make the throw, the guy deserved to be safe, and I think that's horseshit. <laughs> yeah, that's incredibly stupid, right? Wait, let me get this straight. So he was definitely safe. He was called out, and the defense is well. The play stands because the second baseman bobbled or hit right, the right. And it's like, oh, he should have been. He like, let's be real. He should have been called safe because no one. If you if you hesitate to make a throw, you just deserve to let that guy be safe. I mean, oh my God. And so it. What's ruining baseball is going back and clearly fixing mistakes to make right. it being obje- Being more objective is ruining baseball. And, like, I don't understand why this take is coming from National Review because this is very current. Like, there is this is an election year. You have so much to talk about. And you just have, you know, old man McCarthy, you know, complaining about all this, all this objectivity is just ruining baseball. And it's sad. It makes me sad that we're so daggone objective. I can't, I can't wait personally until they just replace all the ball and strike calls with computers. And then I would love to hear what this guy has to say. When that I'm happens. actually, that would be amazing. If you're bored later, Google Andrew C. McCarthy or go see his little page on National Review. He looks like you would expect him to look like. Does he look like he's afraid of communists taking over baseball? He looks Does he like have he's... A... Justin, they already have. <laughs> and the fact that you don't see it is how I know they've been successful. Have you seen how few of them speak English now? It's disgraceful. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're just going to leave that right there and move along. Yeah, we'll move along. The next take, uh, golf should ditch the long pants rule. 
Uh, there was a little bit of live golf this week. It was Ricky Fowler and a few other guys. They were playing golf on TV. And, un, you know, unlike a regular PGA event, they didn't wear long pants. They were in shorts. And they were even carrying their own clubs. And this take comes from Jason Sobel. And he says, the fact that we're watching this and nobody cares is evidence that we don't have to have this long pants rule. We should just let them wear shorts. Nobody cares. So can I say that I agree with that take? My only issue is it didn't go far enough. It shouldn't be golf should ditch long pants. It should be golf should ditch golf. <laughs> oh, I mean, my gosh. I mean, here's the thing. When I go out there or an, an attempt to How often to do you go out in golf? golf? Hey, I've, got, golf? I've made some friends recently. We go to Top Golf, and they're, I should say I've made some friends who like golf recently. And I've, I've given it its fair shake. It is fun. I do see how it's difficult. The thing that turns me off about golf remains true to this day, and it is connected to this whole obsession with the, I don't even know what you call it, the bouginess, the annoying hoity-toityness of it, like where you have to wear the pants. You have to walk a certain way. You can't carry your clubs. Oh, you! it's like this, what's the word I'm looking for? The etiquette of it, maybe? I don't know if etiquette's the right yeah. word. Yeah. I think I, mean, I don't yeah, maybe it, maybe it started because they were scared of poor people like joining their country clubs. All of that just annoys me. Are you subtweeting Augusta National right now? I need to be. I really need to be. Have you ever played golf? Me? Yeah. No. It is so freaking hard. I, I mean, okay. I have I've I have played golf in the sense that I've I've gone out with friends. Um, but I haven't like, I guess that's playing golf. Yeah, sure. I play golf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fiesta Falls mini putt, putt doesn't count, but if you've been out, no, to no, 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 no. Range, I've gone on an actual driving range, actual golf course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've done that and it is effing impossible. It's so hard. And I have friends who can just like from one spot, just put it three yards from the hole every single time they can do it. And so like, it's not that I don't think there's no skill to it. It's just the whole, like, why is this even a take? Why are we even talking about what they're wearing? I don't understand. Do you want him to hit the ball well? Are you going to take him on a date later? Like, I don't understand. Are you trying well, to date the man? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I classify this one as a vanilla take because I don't think people really have strong feelings either way. I will say this. Golf is a multi-generational sport. It's one thing for Ricky Fowler to be wearing shorts because he's pretty young. You know, he's pretty healthy. But just imagine Chuck Daly, who, by the way, is famous for his, you know, bright and colorful pants. Just imagine him wearing a pair of chubbies. I would tune in to watch that. (laughs) I would would tune in to watch that, and I would get the most (laughs) uppity commentator whatever to cover him so I can just hear the disgust in his voice as he has to cover Chuck Daly. They're still appalled with him. In fact, he was just shotgun beers between playoffs. <laughs> I, I would really love it if they started wearing shorts in golf. If you had a bunch of different golfers just getting like calf tats for advertisement space. Mm. Oh. You know what I mean? Be like monster energy. Boom. Left cap. Let's do this. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of the bird gauntlet? No. Okay. So I didn't I know. The bird a- gauntlet? Yeah, so this is this is a uh, slow Newsweek story for the NFL, but this is this comes right from uh, Grant Gordon, who's a NFL.com digital content producer, and uh, the framework is the Cowboys in 2020 are going to try to do something that's never been done in the history of NFL scheduling, and that is beat all the teams whose mascots are birds. They're going to play Week Two against the Falcons, Week Three against the Seahawks. Week six, the Cardinals. Week eight, Eagles. Week 13, Ravens. And then week 16, Eagles again. Divisional opponents, they have to play them twice. The Bird Gauntlet was previously run by the 2009 Chicago Bears, who who uh, went one and four. And 2014 by the Panthers, who went two and five. There's never been a team that's beat all the Birds. So they just need to get three wins to set the record for Bird Gauntlet. Which is, right. for the yeah. record, insanely stupid. And then they snap their fingers and all bird, half of all birds go extinct. So is the NFL aware that someone is covering a like moderately fun and not serious topic related to the NFL? Is that allowed? <laughs> <laughs> 
He's sitting fine, Scott. He got fined already. He got fined. Okay. Yeah, Roger got fined. Goodell saw that his socks weren't just like Roger Goodell got home. Clad. Roger Goodell got home and someone texted him that they really got a laugh out of that post and he immediately made a phone call to a subordinate who took care of it. That sounds on brand. That's very yeah. on brand. That's why he gets paid the big bucks <laughs> like fifty million a year or whatever. Do you think the Cowboys can um can win three of these seven games? I don't seven? Know. No, I can't count. Three of these six. Are games. they are they starting Andy Dalton? <laughs> That's a good question. Honestly, the answer is yes. Honestly, the next answer I have is no. no idea who they're starting. I thought Dak Prescott was a quarterback. Did they franchise tag him? No, they're working on a deal right now, but they're I, kind of in the pissing and you know fighting stages of everything. It's just amazing. They really are the uh, the reality TV show stars of the NFL. Why can't Hard Knocks be about the Cowboys every year? Because then they would just have to do that every year because no one would tune in other years. But that would be so great because then you just would cover them all off season and then they would never have to show their games. <laughs> and instead of getting nothing but like, you know, NFC East big market six and seven teams, we could get some games to count. Oh, Lord, please. <laughs> please. No, that's funny. Yeah. Well, y'all want to move on to our, our actual uh, important takes or things that actually are interesting to talk about things that are just lame right yes all right so college football seems like it is coming back in the fall right and there were a lot of people that might have told you hey too much money in football it's always going to be here right Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. justin you had something that actually uh sort of backs that up right Call me uh, Coach Stradamus for call on that one. <laughs> Coach Stradamus, for those of you who don't know, was the uh, the feature in NCAA football that allowed you to get a hint of what kind of play your opposing team was going to run. <laughs> it's a, is it like a cheat code? No, it. I think uh, if you had like a high level coach, you would you would kind of know to the T, like, oh, you're 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 going to run, you know, cover two man. Oh, I see. I see. But sometimes like, it was like, like they're going to do an inside run play. Yeah. Or like they're going to throw the football. Thanks, <laughs> it's, third and, it's third and 20. They're going to throw the ball. Thanks we for fourth, letting me know. Fourth and 27. They going to punt. <laughs> really? Thanks. Thanks. Cool Thanks, Coach Stradamus. I don't think the computer ever. Did the computer ever run or AI ever run a fake? <sighs> I don't know. So, I can't uh, remember them ever doing that. No, nah, they're, oh. they're usually not too smart, but those computer DBs always had an uncanny ability to get back to the ball, even if their hips were facing the wrong direction or they were looking <laughs> I know at that's the right. other receiver. <laughs> See, yeah. and that's why I always just stuck to NFL head coach instead of actually playing Madden or NCAA, because you could do all the tedious head coach business and then it would make you simulate and watch the game, but have no Ugh. participation. <laughs> See, the only the only way that game sounds fun to me if you have to figure out, you know, a deal for Antonio Brown, or just you know, <laughs> the coach has to deal with his antics. See, I think it didn't even get into the fun stuff like that, right? Like you're not trying to convince Antonio Brown to only go to two strip clubs tonight instead of the usual four. You're like worried about like salary cap stuff and got to make sure you get to your meeting with your GM on time. A little text you know. bubble pops up on the bottom while you're playing for a game. And it's a text from your running back who just got pulled over for having a kilo of blow in the car. And like, what do you do? Do you, do you pass this off to your assistant? Do you handle it personally? It's very accurate. Anyway, all, anyway. all the important decisions are we'll, we'll, we'll get on we'll, NFL head coach. Yeah, we'll we'll, cut, we'll talk more about that video game. Yeah, I really want to talk more about this. Sounds fascinating, except not. But also, it is. <laughs> anyway, college football. <laughs> what have we done, y'all? <laughs> we are fulfilling our destiny. <laughs> uh, all right, Scott, you got to pick us up talking about masses free free agency. Yeah. All right, so on the topic of college football here, um, Paul Feinbaum, of all people, said something that was actually interesting. 
Hey, Paul. So, so Paul mentioned that if you have some different, you know, regional decision-making going on, mm-hmm. right? Like let's say the, the PAC 12 is going to sit out or something. That's not, we don't know that, but let's say they decide that, or let's say, you know, even something like the PAC 12 says, Hey, we're going to play a shortened PAC 12 schedule. And, or we hope that we're going to play this shortened schedule, right? If there's some uncertainty, uh, you could start to have a lot of people transferring, right? You could have a lot of college athletes that are at Oregon or Washington or USC or places like that that are sitting around thinking, hey, the season's supposed to start in a month, and I know the SEC is going to play, but I don't know for sure that the Pac-12 is going to play. Mm-hmm. That start happening, you start having guys just, you know, jumping ship because they're not trying to lose their chance at the NFL. Not at all. Right. They're trying to they're trying to get out there and play. So that would be uh, a possible interesting consequence if you have some like regional variations. Do you think the uh, NCAA would grant them immediate eligibility if their schools weren't participating in the season? So if they're a quarterback, yes. Because that much that's, is true. <laughs> I know that's, that's right. the way that you get to transfer immediately is are you a quarterback? It's kind of true. Tried and true, yeah. So yeah, I I think this is a that's actually a really good take to come from Paul. And uh I'll Powell? go ahead and I'll give it a carrot. You're, you're not saying his name right first of all. It's Paul. It's Paul. We're talking about championships, Paul. Paul, if hey, you're Powell. from LA, if you're from LA, Lower Alabama, that is Paul. Paul, uh, the way Alabama people who live in Alabama call on that show is just hysterical. God. Anyway, we digress. We digress. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I'll call that a carrot take. Uh, carrot take for those who don't know, and I think this is maybe the first time we've brought up this category of take on the show. It is a take that you aren't expecting, but you find it to be pretty good. And uh, if you don't. And we call it carrot cake because we think carrot cake is like one of those cake desserts you never think about having, but it's always delicious. True. Just love it. true. That it's cream true. cheese yeah. icing. Anyway, yeah, I yeah, like I, I like this take. You think it's going to be a stand-in for a real dessert, <clears throat> and then you're pleasantly surprised when it's actually a real dessert, right? Right. It's <laughs> like Paul Feinbaum. It's like, oh, man, there's no actual sports content. I got to hear from Paul Feinbaum, and then you you know pleasantly surprised yeah. when it's actually yeah. a meaningful thing to say bowtie squidward had a very profound and nuanced thought about the college football season <laughs> and as far as i'm concerned he's the only person who's uh who's maybe the first to the to the punch on this one and let's be real there's you know a lot of good high school talent on the west coast and the SEC and Clemson and you know Iowa State, they definitely definitely pluck from those areas, but there's a lot that gets left behind, and this would just be an absolute recruiting arms race. Well, and and even moving, you know, a little further east from the actual West Coast schools, right? You even have a team like Oklahoma, who has you know been pretty vocal about the possible need to start the season a a few weeks late, right? Not to cancel it, but just to start a few weeks late to make sure everything's under control. But why? I think you just, I think you just answered my question. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what they said publicly was, you know, logistics, player safety, et cetera. Right. But secretly deep down, some people have determined there's a different reason. <gasps> Why? Wait, what, what do you think that is, Justin? Look uh, at that is schedule. It, is it is it food poisoning? It's either food poisoning or <gasps> they're dodging oh, the University of Tennessee. Oh, big orange. <laughs> Can I tell you all a quick story before we talk about Tennessee? Yes, tell it. Yeah. I obviously root for Georgia because I went to school there. I'm still paying them for my degree. <laughs> so, I feel like I should. Yeah, you got so, a lot of skin in the I game. I got a lot of skin in the game. So. Um, <laughs> I hate Tennessee so much. I hate them so much because when I was a freshman there, Eric Ainge came into Athens and beat a highly ranked uh, Georgia team. And I believe Eric Ainge was a freshman, and the score was something ugly like 15 to 7, not 7, 15 to 9, something weird. 
Uh, Sounds like a good football game to me. Ever since then, I know it's real close. Ever since then, I've just been, why in God's name would anyone choose to play for this team? Their uniforms, everything about it. So in that spirit, I want us to hear about, I want to hear more about why why Tennessee fans were so upset about what Oklahoma did. Well, yeah, Tennessee has an early season matchup with Oklahoma. And, you know, because Tennessee is such a national historic powerhouse, obviously that means that Oklahoma is really just scared and Oklahoma is trying to dodge them. There's one thing I know about Oklahoma is they're not, they're not in the hunt usually. No, definitely not. And I mean, look, if, if you look at the last 20 years, the last two decades, you know, between Tennessee and Oklahoma, you got 21 seasons of 10 wins, right? So that's kind of like a round number, at least a pretty good season, if not even better, right? Between the two teams, last two decades, 21 seasons. Now, you know, maybe 17 of those are Oklahoma and like four of those are Tennessee, right? Are you you serious? Is that a real stat? Yeah, that's for real. Woof. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee's had four 10-win seasons in the past 20 years. Yes. And Honestly, I, I'm surprised at 17. I'm surprised it's uh, not lower than that because it's Yikes. whenever I think about when was Tennessee actually a threat in not just college football, just but just the SEC East, I feel like I have to go back to when we were all using flip phones. Yeah. You know, I mean, Scrubs was the biggest sitcom yeah. on television. Yeah. I mean, oh, but for the I, most part, I, Tennessee doesn't play that been... SEC schedule, Scott. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee hasn't really been consistently good since the 90s, right? It doesn't mean that it won't be ever, it won't ever be good again. Um, but they got two decades of mostly being pretty mediocre. I've been pretty on pretty whatever about Lincoln Riley, but so, but this is a point in the in the good column here. Anything to piss off Vols fan? I'm like, okay, Lincoln. Lincoln Riley is a really, really good coach. Uh, especially, yeah. you know, offensive side is especially. He's really, really good. Um, on the defensive side, this program, they just need to recruit better. They don't oh, recruit really? at a high enough level. Yeah. And on the offensive side of the ball, you can do a lot more scheme stuff. You know, you can scheme guys open. You can do all kinds of different stuff, like formationally and stuff. On the defensive side of the ball, yes, coaching is still important but you just kind of have to have the dudes that can play. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. all there is to it, right? Yeah. Well, that so, line of scrimmage battle is just – I mean, it sounds like old man, red velvet take. Kind of, We got to win the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Time of possession. Time of possession. The most important stat of football. If you get, if you get four yards every down, you'll score a touchdown. I mean, it's true. It's <laughs> it hurts so bad because I heard it like so many times. I've heard that a lot. It's too. true, but it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, man, think yeah. about what uh, Lincoln Riley did for Jalen Hurts this past year. He made him a Heisman finalist, and he just looked mm-hmm. okay at Alabama. It's true. And they had they had athletes. They made they didn't have maybe the scheme like Oklahoma, but they had guys. They had studs. They had running backs. They had wide receivers. Yeah, uh, where Oklahoma needs to be is they just have to recruit better on the defensive side, right? You know, a lot of people don't like to hear it, but recruiting is very important for college football. I don't know why people don't like to hear it. You know, for example, if the Patriots had 10 first-round picks every draft and, you know, the Dolphins had 10 seventh-round picks instead, everyone would very clearly assume that the Patriots were going to have much better players. That was important. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, everybody pretends that's not the case in college football, right? What if all those seven round picks, though, were Tom Brady? Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what people would say. And that's the thing, right? Yes, any later pick or lower rank recruit can be good. The problem is when you're playing the odds, it's less likely. And you have a football team in college with 85 scholarships, the odds tend to way out most of the time right right so like one of the things you always see with this too is in recruiting early early in the year like say i don't know on may 21st 2020 you know just (laughs) for example you can look at recruiting rankings 
and somebody has to be ranked number one and somebody has to be ranked number two and so on. But none of these guys can actually sign any papers for another like six to 12 months, depending on what they do with the schedule this year. So being ranked number one or number two may or may not mean anything. And right now, you know, mentioned Tennessee right now, you don't want to tell that to the Tennessee people because they are big on the Jeremy Pruitt train, right? Oh yeah. So Peerless Price, a former Tennessee player, one of the things that he said recently was that he thinks once this 2021 recruiting class becomes juniors, they'll be in the college football playoff and competing for national titles. And and he's saying that because that Tennessee recruiting class is currently ranked number two. Number two sounds really good, right? The problem is Tennessee pretty much already has a full recruiting class. Right. All the other schools just don't have all the players yet. They can only go down. Yeah, there's tons of references out there where you can add all the players and how you want, and it'll show you what the hypothetical rankings would be. Right. Tennessee's number two right now. Their projected finish is probably 10th. I don't think they were were 10th last year. They were like 13th the year before. You mean in recruiting, right? Yeah, in recruiting, yeah. And and that's solid. Like you have a number ten class, you're going to have some guys that can play. You're unfortunately, have some guys that go to the NFL. Unfortunately, I do think they're trending upward, but like but that's football. not saying much. College right. football. Tra- up, <laughs> yeah. They only had one. They only had one way to trend. Upward yeah. from steaming pile of cow dookie. Steaming pile upward, of water processing plant. Upward is eight wins and not losing to Georgia State, right? Oof. Oof. And so. Yeah, if they consistently recruit, if they finish around number 10 and recruiting every year and they have like a solid program, solid coaching, they'll have, you know, they'll have a solid team every year. But that still puts them as the pretty clear number three in the SEC East. Right. And And the number three team in the SEC East is not expected to be in the national title game. Right. SEC is so strong, Scott. We're deep. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, here's the thing. Tennessee finished 10th last year in recruiting, but I count six SEC teams ahead of them in the national recruiting ranking. So where does that – I mean, and I yeah. know that was a big thing. Well, we're going to – you know, Phil Fulmer said, we're going to take a bite out of everyone's ass next year. <laughs> like, I don't think he understands what that phrase means, first of all. Right. And so, like, for this coming year, right, they get to play Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. That's four teams already that – recruit better than they do and have better recent results on the field right so that's a rough four to play we're not even if if things go pretty well for tennessee they go two and two in that four and that's like that'd be stellar yeah i mean that that is odds are they go oh and four in that in those four yeah or maybe like one and three just because odds are that you like yeah sneak a win out somewhere but If you're one and three in those games, then you're topping out at nine and three. And if you drop one random game to a South Carolina or a Kentucky or a Missouri or something, then you're eight and four. Eight and four, nine and three, that sounds about right. But sure. it doesn't sound like a team that's going to be in playoff, playoff contention. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it seems like Tennessee has, you know, potential to come back because they are, you know, that is a pretty big football program. You know, they are in the SEC. They do have some championship history. It just seems like, I think, I don't know, if I were a big Orange fan, I'd maybe pump the brakes a little bit and just, you know, just look for, be, be happy for marginal improvement. Don't expect everything at once. But. They are they are not pumping those brakes. They cut those brakes and they are watching <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road on loop, baby. <laughs> Yeah, witness me. They're going to Chrome Valhalla. They are (laughs) playing like flaming guitars while they're chasing people. They're all in. God, what a good movie. Such a good movie. See, I would go to a a game at Rocky Top if that was like, you know, halftime show where a bunch of guys. I'd go to, is it Neyland Stadium? Yeah, I'd go to Neyland if that was halftime show. You know, a bunch of bald dudes with you know, silver face paint playing flaming electric guitars. Doesn't sound too off. It sounds a little bit more tame than a current uh, Tennessee <laughs> home game. <laughs> I think about yeah, Tennessee I, fans is they really, they really like to, 
for people to know about what their home environment is like, and they pretend like they're the only uh, fan base in college football that has home field advantage. Yeah, lie. don't it's, you know they have boats outside the stadium? How are you going to beat that? We got boats. We checkered our our fans. It's hard. It's hard to watch a noon start game at Neyland Stadium with all that orange and the sun bright on there. It's like I can't look at my TV right now. <laughs> like, yeah. What is all this reflecting light? Oh, maybe that's part of the strategy. I think so. That's the real hustle. So now, since we've kind of been on college football for most of the show, it seems like. We, I do have a, another good, interesting talking point, another good take that was made in the college football world. You'll probably already hear it. Would you Would you like to hear it again? Do it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so Bill, Collin, Bill Connolly, a great uh, college football writer for ESPN, he wrote a really long story uh, about spread offense in college football, and the short of it is the spread offense has won the college football revolution in the sport. Okay. Do you agree? Disagree? I think that's a pretty clear agree, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be hard to make an argument that it hasn't. Yeah. yeah. When, when Alabama and LSU, I was, I was are about to say going that. like four <laughs> wide and slinging the ball all, all over the field. When Nick Saban long. is okay slinging it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And a, and a cold Joe over here. Cold Joe ain't gonna run that ball no more. Time throw. Cold Joe. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I'd love to pull up, line up the power, I'd just smack that ball, get him that chicken on stick play. Oh, we got football, we gotta get ball to our wide receiver in space. <laughs> it sounds so much like him. <laughs> you know, we go, we still gonna get that rock pounder half on mission. We just gonna wait till the fourth quarter up 42 nothing. Yeah, we're gonna, gonna, gonna wait till ball. Ball we gonna Joe, run him. We'll wait till Joe sling it a few times. Oh bro, what a good, what a good tiger, go tigers. Yeah, so the story is, is really good. It goes through the history of kind of like how Spread offense was kind of born out of air raid with Hal Mummy and Mike Leach. And he goes on to you know, Lincoln Riley and sort of his, you know, con- contributions to the game and RPO. And I think I agree. And as, you know, Georgia fans, you know, I also have a degree from the University of Georgia. So I feel obligated to root for the dogs for life. You know, we kind of saw it this year when, you know, Kirby Smart hired, you know, uh, Todd Munkin to coach the offense. That was kind of a sign of, well, if Kirby Manball Smart wants to ditch the power run game and go with a guy who's been kind of an air raid coach his whole career, that's kind of a sign of the time shifting. So I, I, I pretty much agree. Um, what came, what was interesting to me was this take I came, I came across on SB Nation's Oklahoma website. Uh, let me pull it up. Crimson Cream Machine. Uh, this is by Alan Kenny, and his, and this is a very unique perspective for me because this, to me, because Oklahoma has kind of been one of those schools that kind of pioneered the spread offense being uh, introduced to the sport. His take was because the spread offense was introduced to let less talented teams kind of turn the tables against the big boys of the sport. Um, what we're going to see next is we're going to see these smaller teams go back to running power football to combat these spread heavy, you know, four wide out formations that the likes of Alabama, Ohio state, uh, LSU, hopefully Georgia are going to be rolling out the next couple of years. And uh, it's, you know, it's a very nuanced take. He talks about how, you know, defensive formations are adjusting defensive personnel packages are adjusting to defend against these four wide, you know, three wide receiver sets with all, you know, the nickel being the base package. And it's logical, you know, the I formation or the ACE formation, you know, favors that matchup because then you're going to have, you know, tight ends going downfield to block defensive backs. But I'm wondering if this might be a gluten-free take. That being, it took a lot of skill uh, and determination and a lot of finesse to come up with this take, but I don't know if it's like that good of a take. What do you guys think? So I'll go, I'll, I'll go first because I'm pretty sure Scott's going to say what I say, just smarter. <laughs> in, in an effort to not sound like an idiot, it's inevitable. It's true. It is the story of my life. My friendship with Scott is I said that too. Um, but uh, uh, it makes sense, like logically. Um, because I, while you were describing 
the kind of the finesse of the air raid versus the power of like an eye formation, I was reminded of the movie Rocky Balboa, which I believe is the fifth Rocky. I don't know. It's the one no, where he no, is. No, no, it's not Rocky five. Oh, it's Rocky the sixth Balboa. Rocky. Sorry. Yeah. Fifth is infamously bad, right? Yes. Yes. That's the. How many are there? There's six, seven if you include Creed. Eight if you include Creed because there's Creed two. There there's are, a Creed there's two. six. There's six Rocky movies, and then there are eight movies in the Rocky verse. Boy, the Rocky verse. <laughs> All that to say, um, in Rocky Balboa, he's going to fight uh, the the like the head boxer of his time, which is supposed to be it's Floyd Mayweather, but it's not Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather kind of thing. Like who's he beat kind of thing. Floyd Swayweather. Yes. So. Long story I, short, I think in the movie they just introduced the character by having him just punching random women at a bar. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Standard, uh, standard. You're like, oh, I see what they're doing here. It's ripped from that's, the, that's Floyd. This story is ripped man. from the headlines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we digress. Uh, the uh, what I wanted to say was. <laughs> The boxer is obviously in his prime, really agile, quick, all the things you'd want in a boxer. Rocky is none of these things, but what Rocky can do is hit hard. And he knows this. So all he does is trains to hit hard because he's neither, he doesn't have the stamina. He's not agile enough. He knows all these things. And this, while you were explaining it, Justin, I was reminded of that. It's like they may not have the personnel to do all this finesse, to do all these things, but if they just focus on, hitting hard and ramming it, they might have a puncher's chance, no pun intended. Scott, yeah, I think that's think? the I think that's the scene where the the old trainer says we're gonna build some hurting power. And yeah, it's him like power. him like slamming kegs against stuff or something. Yeah, no, he goes into a deep freezer like in a meat locker, like a meat packing processing plant, and he starts punching cow meat that's been hanging from like a hook. And then it cuts immediately to a clip of him like downing three raw eggs in a cup like, holy <laughs> crap that's disgusting he's just channeling so much 80sness it's oh, yeah. beautiful it's a montage Kenny that's Loggins, a montage cocaine yeah but on the on the counter and the response to the spread right i think it's going to be twofold because it's going to be sort of you're going to have some teams that will try and minimize their talent gap by going back in time <laughs> the same way teams have done that with the triple option. Right. Right. And instead of the triple option, you'll now have some people going back in time with like classic eye formation or, you know, just people want to run power a lot, that kind of stuff. Um, and the reason you can do that, right. Is because it shortens the game, which means you have chance can take over more less plays means it's less likely that the good team wins. And now like, one random fumble might mean the crappier team wins. That's true. And the other thing too is quarterback is not an infinite commodity. So whatever schemes you have out there to try and minimize the talent gap, it's going to be a scheme that tries to let your offense be successful without requiring, requiring a lot out of the quarterback. Yeah. And like this, the spread and the RPO stuff that did that. Right. And it says, hey, we don't need a quarterback that can make seven reads and stand here and throw the ball 80 yards downfield. And I'm like, okay, we just need a quarterback that can look at one thing, make a quick decision, and run a little bit. Yeah, right? I don't I don't think people get that nuance about the the difference between like a pro style offense, you know, and like the spread is that a lot of the especially like the Urban Meyer spread, which seems to be the most influential, that was all like one read plays for the quarterback. It was designed to make it easier on your your pitch man you know right and, man. and that's what you know going back to like the triple option or some like power stuff where you're maybe planning on just pounding the ball instead of running it you don't have to find a quarterback that's going to be the number one overall pick right you can find a dude that played in the triple option in college or find a dude that you know fits what you need what right. will be interesting though is some people will counter the spread by going back in time and some people are going to counter the spread by moving things forward like innovating oh yeah by innovating or what they're really going to do at the college level is they're going to cherry pick the innovations from high school that have already worked right 
Because that's kind of how innovation goes in football, right? It happens at the high school level, then it filters up to college, and then eventually it filters up to the NFL. Yeah, I remember Andy Reid was saying that when he was taking a break from coaching, one thing he did was he went back and studied college football offenses because his opinion was that, and most people were saying the NFL was influencing the collegiate level play. And he said, I think it's the opposite. I think college is actually ahead of the NFL. So he takes some of these air raid and spread concepts and comes to Kansas city. And now, you know, he's got, you know, an unstoppable juggernaut. It seems like a Pat Mahomes in that Kansas city chiefs offense. Yeah, the Chiefs were okay last year, right? I mean, it wasn't like his MVP season where he was, you know, throwing 50 touchdowns and, you know, 5,000 yards. And interestingly enough, they, I think if I remember going back to the Super Bowl, the Chiefs did employ some power football, you know, maneuvers and formations to get that win. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you'll see that the very best and most successful teams or schemes, right? They're going to be able to do a little bit of everything well yeah a lot of times balanced on offense doesn't have to mean we throw the ball exactly half the time and run the ball exactly half the time usually balance means we can throw it when we want to or need to and we can run it when we want to or need to right yeah you ever heard mike leach's uh definition of balance i bet it's glorious (laughs) he's he when his response is like, oh, you know, running the ball 50% of the time doesn't sound like balance to me because you're just giving 50% of the touches to one player. I think a balanced offense is when you spread out the touches to all your wide receivers and running backs. It's you know, it's it, 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 not wrong, but the practicality is you're still throwing the ball between 70 and 80% of your plays, <laughs> which to me is still not a good recipe for football success. But, you know, I really do respect the heck out of Mike Leach. So Mike Leach can do what Mike Leach want to do. But uh, Scott, what you're saying about, you know, talking about teams running the triple option, that was kind of my first thought because we've seen that firsthand already, especially with the service academies. But then I think about um, our neighboring rivals in Atlanta, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets did that about 10 years ago. And they went from being a perennial six and six team to about an eight and four team employing that strategy. So... That was actually something I was going to say, because if we're talking about what's the next scheme that's going to like be the it thing to kind of take over as the air rate, or excuse me, not the air rate, but the spread offense is done. Um, I don't see the triple option being that. Has a triple option ever been, I don't know, obviously back in the day, but like in recent years, has it really done anything but knock off an occasional good team? Takes out a few knees. <laughs> Takes out a few knees for sure. I don't know. Yeah, I just think that I don't. Like, I don't think you're going to have some sort of revolution where five or ten years from now people are going to go back to the power eye or the triple option as like the main thing, right? You'll right. just start to see a few teams here and there adapt it successfully when they can't get the you know the quarterbacks they want to throw the ball. Okay, that makes sense. Another thing to keep in mind. Um, and the writer has sort of kind of mentioned it is that the game is changing at the basic high school level where a lot of these players are doing seven on seven camps during the off season. So quarterback play is just getting better at every level right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't, I think there's definitely, you know, the elite, I hate that word, but I'm just going to use it. The elite quarterbacks, you know, there's not enough of those to go around, but the, the general population of quarterback might be a little bit better so they can maybe still run these finesse passing plays. I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know what's going to be the next big thing in football, but that is an interesting take. I don't know if I agree with it all the way, but it is is interesting. It's interesting. We just need to get somebody who's real uh, cued in on like the Texas high school football scene. And they'll be able to tell us what the new offenses are. Scott, it sounds like you need a head coach. That's what it sounds like you need. What I need is I need you need to my... get into the mind of a head coach. How do we do that? If we I've never coached, never played. How do I do that as a, just a you know a dweeby fan sitting with his with his headset? Well, you know the way most people do it traditionally is they play something like NCAA. Rest in peace. Moment of silence. Or they go and play Madden or something like that, and you just like simulate the games, but you know you're doing all the wheeling and dealing, all the 
lot of the GM stuff behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. But that's how the normal plebs do it. Mm-hmm. If you really want to do it, you go back in time and you go play NFL EA Sports head coach. This was 2006, Whoa. the hottest video game on the market where you get to have an interview with Mel Kiper Jr. You get to watch what? Trey Wingo tell you about, you know, the draft via some cutscenes, <laughs> And you get to pick up the Steelers as a, what's that old, what's Bill Cower, right? Bill Cower. Yeah, yeah, Bill Cower. Basically, you get to be Bill Cower. And you get to go do Bill Cower's job and be the head coach of the Steelers. I and that's cannot. it. That's like the whole thing. But okay, so ask somebody who is definitely into manager mode in like FIFA or NCAA, rest in peace. Um, I'm kind of into the managing thing. Are you telling me that this is not that? So what it is, is I guess you're actually not Bill Cower. I guess probably the premise is like Bill Cower retires or something. Uh, You get to choose if you were previously the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator for the Steelers. And so now you're ready to be the new head coach. But to start off, you got to have an interview. So you go no. through the job interview process. Uh, part of the game is the job you. interview? Yes. They I just play video games. account to the game. The, yeah. <laughs> I thought you video games to, like, to like get away from real life. <laughs> no, see, this is completely immersive. It's like the next level experience, right? Forget virtual reality. This is reality. You get home from the interview and you didn't get the job and your wife <laughs> leaves you because you're poor now. Yeah, Yikes. and then... So if if you manage to Boy. get the job and not have your life fall apart and be in shambles, then you get to like interview the players and select who to cut and who oh to not cut. Gosh. And you get, you know, you meet with the team owner, you meet with the GM, you talk about the draft strategy, you know, you hire new coaches, you fire coaches, you talk to players, agents, check your emails. Do you get to sit in scouting. on John Gruden's quarterback room? uh 2006 john gruden is probably working for a different team so probably not but i bet if they have an updated version you can do that that's the yeah you get to you get to try and motivate the players in the team discuss discuss strategy it's uh do i get to choose what horrible new uniforms the pittsburgh steelers get to wear next no you're just the head coach you don't have that kind of power it sounds like someone took you know all the stuff, all the tedious stuff from franchise mode and Madden and just made that the entire game. And, and just added more tedious stuff to it. Right. Yeah, they, they're like, what's the tedious part? And just turn it to 11 and make it only that. Yeah, I'm reading it so. right now. It says it was, it's uh, <laughs> hiring, firing coaches, calling players, agents, checking email. <laughs> I can't wait to fire up this uh, NFL like head email coach in real and life. check my virtual email. <laughs> What makes you think I'm going to check, enjoy checking email on a video game? Here's the real question. What do you think the email address is? Like, not what's the handle part, but what's the server? Oh, like the... Like yeah, the it's like, I, I'm the new NFL head coach at what? What are they putting in there? At Steelers.com or at whatever. Oh, my gosh. It's so lame. <laughs> Hopefully, it's like Steelers.org or something. Holy... I will say, this is... If you if you wanted the you could not do a more polar opposite game to the one we talked about last time, which was Bill Lambier's combat basketball. It's, Bill Lambier, I, it's a game I where gotta you just say, beat ass, and then you have this game <laughs> where it's all cerebral, like, okay, I'm gonna go through my to-do list. I'm gonna, I gotta fire this coach, I gotta run this practice, we gotta run a practice and the scheme for the game. Like it's all so cerebral. And then in the other game, you're just chucking bricks at people. Yeah. Oh, and, and I gotta say, I, I downloaded an old ROM and actually played the game. No, you didn't. Yes, no, I did. I have an old, <laughs> I have an old, old SNES emulator on my laptop, so I downloaded a ROM. Graphics, and they played uh, it as bad as people said. So I don't. I mean, it's it's Super Nintendo, so the graphics are just whatever. Hey, right? There were some I, pretty Super Nintendo games. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't have these were just normal Super Nintendo graphics to me, right? Mm. Um. One of the things that was actually, I thought was a pretty nice little touch, right? Is sometimes when you have like a loose ball or something like you're waiting on a rebound, right? The ball did a good job of like actually coming like up at you in the screen. And you could tell from the shadowing that the ball was like still up in the air. You had to like time your jump and everything. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, that's actually a little bit better mechanics than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I'm playing on an emulator and I'm using some like random Logitech USB, you know, little controller, and mm-hmm. it didn't quite map all the buttons out right. So even though I went in and manually mapped the buttons, the only button that was functioning for me was the pass slash push button. <laughs> all I could do in offense was just pass the ball. In whatever direction you mean I'm facing. you couldn't break a kneecap with a weapon? No. <laughs> and the only thing I could do on defense was just push. So I just had to that like sounds like what Bill Lambeer did. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean like it, it technically wasn't working correctly, but it sure did channel the spirit of the game, right? On offense, I could just run around, try and pass to another teammate and waste some time and then pass it out of bounds under the basket because I couldn't shoot. So I just pass it out of bounds under the basket so the other team had to go the whole full court, right? <laughs> so in the end, I lost final score 12-0 to because I didn't take a shot because I couldn't make the player actually take a shot. <laughs> but 12 to nothing feels like a pretty appropriate oh, yeah. and beer combat basketball. Yes. The one thing that just <laughs> made me so mad about the game was that you could get backcourt violation. <laughs> you got over and back and now it didn't matter that you got over and back because you swerved to dodge a bomb that's laying in the middle of the court it called you for a backcourt violation i thought the referees were fired <laughs> yeah exactly i have no idea who's calling it it's just like some robot <laughs> system the so, deity of combat basketball's universe calls it that's called bill lambeer but then it's bill lambeer who's calling the backcourt maybe he maybe backcourt violations were like his thing he hated them so much. I'm like, I don't want any other rules, but this one, man, this one. Yeah, it's like you get most, away from him, and it's like you can't get away from me. I must punch you. It's the most tedious, like stupid, annoying rule, too, right? This is, is the one that you can't get away from. <laughs> That's almost almost as punishing as uh, playing NFL coach and having to interview with the o- the owner. I'm watching a video right now and you're just did a tutorial and the owner's like, can you see this icon floating above my head? That means you said something that I didn't like. <laughs> can I, is, where can I buy that for real life? Yeah. I wish I, life were probably that for sale. Is that downloadable anywhere? I'm going to have to see if I can play. They it have a, they have it for windows. They have a windows version. So I bet you could find like a PC version somewhere. Do you have to, how much does it cost? An 06 game? Probably Jeez, next to nothing on Amazon. You probably find it for two dollars. So what are we gonna are we gonna play this game and compare our franchises in a few mm-hmm. weeks? I don't know. I mean there's, there's no com- there's no comparison. I'm gonna pound y'all, NFL there, head coach. There is there is a sequel. No. Yeah, NFL no. head coach 09. You pick up yep. for Tony Dungy. I'm seeing uh, it right Tony now. Dungy. I'm seeing a Xbox 360 or PlayStation. Okay, well, the previous one came out for Xbox, plain old Jane old Xbox. Um, and then, so they went next-gen console with the sequel. Okay, it was I'm, seeing, I'm seeing somebody selling a 2006 <laughs> NFL head coach for Xbox. It's listed as Overstock, all caps, and they're <laughs> selling it for $49.99 with $4 shipping. That's Are you serious? Rip-off. That's a they, ripoff. <laughs> See, I'm I'm seeing it on sale for Monster Games. I don't know. I don't know anything about his website, but it's listed for two dollars. That's what I, that sounds about right. Yeah. Like, is the plastic and paper in the box worth the game? Like, what's the what's the quality of the material? Is probably what you pay for. I'll do some research. I'll find it for you, Scott. A PC version. We're gonna PC find version. one. Well, if we if we manage to find it and play it, we'll report back on how much fun it was to have lunch with my running backs family on a Saturday, and then tell them why you, tell them why you cut him from the team. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a cut him on Monday morning, but he's coach, on the wrong side of thirty. Coach, I just bought a house here. <laughs> you'll get a you'll get a chance somewhere else, son. Well, the NFL's a business. It's all business. Um, See them cults? They cut Peyton Manning. That's it's a business. I'm telling you. <laughs> you gotta love it when it's an example like that too, where he went to Denver and like threw a bazillion touchdowns and won an oh, MVP, yeah. I think, and then mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl. Like, hey, it's just business, and we might be making a really terrible business decision. And you know what? But the it's our we're gonna get. You know what? We believe in our next guy, and we're gonna take such good care of him that he's gonna retire. <laughs> and the reason for that retirement is not gonna be because he's old, because he's. Tired of getting his 
shit knocked out of him. <laughs> I mean, like, Andrew Luck interview, Andrew Luck interviews. <laughs> like, I mean, I totally get it. Andrew Luck interviews. Like, you know, I just like my liver more than you know. I like winning, so I think I'll quit now while I still have a liver left. I mean, he looked dead on the inside. Because he can, probably is. Can you imagine all the internal <laughs> bleeding from running from his life and getting sacked every five seconds? Can we um, talk about the irony of how much Michael Jordan would hate Andrew Luck for retiring because he doesn't want to die and say that he doesn't <laughs> like winning enough, even though Michael Jordan was real tired from going to the finals three years in a row and retired because of that twice? <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that's going to do it for us t- today. Here on Let the Meat Takes. Aww. I'd like to bid y'all a fond adieu and au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.